Hey, before we get going on this episode, I just wanted to ask you a favor. If you're a regular listener to the show and you like what we're doing here and you want to help out, there's two things that you could do, two ways that you could really help us in producing the show and even making it better. One is by simply spreading the word about the show. Um, If you could share what you like about the show with others through social media or however, it could help us a lot. There's so many more uh, people out there, we think, uh, that would really enjoy the show if they only knew about it. So please retweet, repost any Adventure Rider Radio stuff that would be of interest uh, or that you're interested in, or, or even just make up your own stuff about the show that you like. Let everybody, let others know about that. And the other thing is, the number two thing is our Patreon account. And we've set up a Patreon account at the suggestion of listeners, many listeners as a matter of fact, um, where you can support the show monthly by giving a few dollars just through your credit card, and which is automatically done each month. And that support is really key. I mean, we, we were sort of skeptical to set it up, but once we did, we realized just how good this can be for us if we get more people behind it. Because it frees us up, I mean, we can count on the support each month, and it frees frees us up to find more stories and dig even deeper than we already do with the stories and spend more time doing sound design and things like that. So um, if you can, we'd really appreciate it. If not, I mean, the shows are are here for you to listen to anyway. um, And we're really grateful for you just even listening to the show and certainly your support. And by the way, in case you're wondering, you've heard a little noise in the background, that is our beagle snoring behind me and I didn't have the heart to wake her up while I recorded this. Bonnie, wake up. Come on, wake up. Max BMW Motorcycles has been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter too. It's free. maxbmw.com. That's maxbmw.com. Best Rest Products is home of the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire and Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. Whether you're on the road or off the road, you're going to want a compact and reliable tire inflation method, and the Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. It's the one we use here at Adventure Rider Radio, made in the USA, and comes with a lifetime warranty. And Motorcycle Consumer News Magazine just chose the Cycle Pump as their top pick in a compressor shakedown. Their website, www.cyclepump.com. For many riders, motorcycling comes down to feeling. For instance, freedom, cruising down a long, straight, empty highway, warm air and sunshine streaming down, it feels great. Connection, carving the perfect corner through some scenic twisties, feeling those G-forces push you into the seat while you're taking that perfect line around the bend. You're totally in the zone. Now, interestingly enough, the corner, that that one that really epitomizes motorcycling, that feeling that we all want of going around that corner in the perfect line. If you were to go to a popular spot with tight switchbacks and sit back and watch the motorcycles go through, it's surprising how many riders don't know how to make that perfect corner. Many coming in too fast or riding the center line into oncoming traffic, braking hard, making multiple correction turns throughout the corner. A general sort of misunderstanding of how to judge a corner and how to properly execute your turn. 
it seems that cornering well done is the exception rather than the norm. On this episode, we have an expert cornering instructor, Walt Fulton. And Walt has a way of breaking down the perfect corner into a few simple steps that if followed correctly, should help you achieve that sensation and satisfaction of carving your perfect corner. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. Turn any dry bag into motorcycle luggage using their unique strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding. And that has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com That's www.greenchiliadv.com the MotoBreeze chain oiler is powered by wind pressure that automatically adjusts for speed. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers oil to your chain with a felt pad that's mounted on your swing arm, which eliminates the problems of exposed nozzles near your sprockets. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets and forget about the messy spray oil. www.motobreeze.com. That's two eyes in there. www.motobreeze.com. I'm Sam Manicum. Nick Sanders. Terry Borden. Sandy Borden. Jack Borden. Graham Field. Austin Vince. Jason Spafford. Lisa Morris. David Peterson. Rachel. Ed March. Glenn Hickstead. Dr. Gregory W. Fraser. Dave Barr. Michelle Lambert. Tiffany Coates. Herbert Schlant. Zoe Cannell. Nathan Millward. Graham Hoskins. Joe Ross. Jeremy Creaker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Simon Pavey. Grant Johnson. Robert Wick. Seth Simon. Elizabeth Martin. Carol DeVell. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Uh, my name is Walt Fulton. I live in Southern California, and Nancy Foote and I are partners in a company called Street Masters Motorcycle Workshops. What we do is uh, teach uh, street riders how to corner better. This is an advanced cornering class, and we focus uh, the whole day on uh, doing just that, making corners. Walt, welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio. Well, thank you. It's uh, always nice to uh, chat with you, Jim. I can't remember what we talked about last time we were we were talking. Were we talking about vibration? I think it was in- engine vibrations we talked about. Uh, yes, it was vibration. Right, because you also work for Kawasaki as well. I do. Uh, actually, Kawasaki is my, my real job. My 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 love is uh, Street Masters, is motorcycle training. And um, it's something we've been doing since, well, with Street Masters since 2004. And, of course, Prior to that, decades and decades of, of training riders under different conditions, both on and off-road. You're one of those riders, though, that, that's a, a real diehard. You, you ride your motorcycle to work. You don't even have a car, do you? I haven't. Uh, correct. I haven't owned a car since, let's see, um, 2000 and, no, let's see. No, 19, uh, 1997. Oof, wow, and you're going into the 19s. <laughs> that's that's cutting no, no, back there. I, ways. Yeah, well, it, you know what? Um, I live in an environment where I don't have to have a uh, an automobile. Uh, we don't have much winter here in the south. It rains some. It, it gets cool sometimes. And, uh, of course, the places I go are even cooler and wetter. Uh, but I don't let that stop me. I dress for it and 
got some good heated gear and um, waterproof gear, and off I go. Well, I mentioned diehard, but you also have a, a diehard motorcyclist. You also have quite a pedigree in motorcycling. Well, I, I have been involved in motorcycling my entire life. My my father, I, I get it honestly, and it comes from my father, who was uh, a district manager for uh, first Mustang, then Triumph Motorcycles until 1959 when he went to work with American Honda and brought in uh, and was on one of the first management teams uh, at American Honda. And he was there for a number of years. In 1964, he moved to Suzuki and he brought them into the country. Uh, he was sales manager at that time. And uh, he's done other things in motorcycling too, Jack Wall, Chain, and and Sprockets, and American Eagle, and and uh, Jack Wall Fairings, um, which is Jack McCormick and Walt Fulton, Jack Wall. And uh, so I I come by it honestly, actually. I I've just uh, I've had a very great time in in motorcycling, and and I yeah I tried to get away from it once. Um, because I was, uh, I not only raced motorcycles for a number of years professionally, uh, finishing, let's see, 12th in the Grand National Championship was my highest finish. Um, and um, I work with manufacturers and, and, uh, and as you pointed out, I'm, I'm working for Kawasaki now. This is my third time back at Kawasaki. I just haven't learned to stay away from them. And um, I was 28 years in uh, crash investigation and reconstruction, primarily uh, motorcycles, but, but also um, heavy trucks, buses, uh, off-road uh, moving equipment, uh, portable drilling rigs, uh, bicycles, cars, trucks, so on. It's just about anything that moved and somebody could hurt themselves with, and even some industrial accidents, uh, which uh, we didn't do a lot of. But uh, but it's been uh, it's been good. It's been um, I've been very fortunate to know a lot of uh, important people. Harry Hurt for one, and uh, I think that name probably rings a bell to you with the uh, the Hurt Report, um, uh, the, uh, the investigation of 900 uh, fatal uh, crashes, motorcycle crashes in the L.A. Basin area, and uh, it was a kind of a landmark thing. So I've I work with Harry from time to time, um, in motorcycle crash investigation and reconstruction and um, it's just been a, a, a delightful time well today you're going to walk us through cornering like you do for your classes but before we do that let's talk a little bit about street masters and what you're doing you said it's it's sort of your love but it's your uh, i guess your secondary thing that you're doing uh, you have people come to you to learn to corner better now we're talking street right not obviously with street masters it has to be street well, we are talking street, and and I, I will underscore the fact that it's an advanced cornering class. It's uh, some some people that have uh, uh, come to the class and written reviews on it uh, are, are quick to point out that this isn't elementary school; it's it's college, and um, you know I, I expect to to have some uh, a reasonable control on the writer's part, and then the rest of it we'll we'll work with and and uh, tweak and and improve. Uh, here's what happened. Um, my former partner, Bob Reichenberg, and I have noticed over the years that the second greatest cause of a, of a motorcycle accident and the very first uh, cause of a single motorcycle accident is a rider all by themselves uh, running wide off the edge of the road or 
into the front of a car in an oncoming lane. And uh, that to us just wasn't acceptable. So that's where this all came about. And um, that's how Street Masters started. And like I say, we've been in business since 2004 uh, teaching it's not my method. It's uh, it's nothing new. It's something that I started using when I was actually in high school and riding on the mountain roads up around uh, uh, Yosemite and Bass Lake where I, I lived for a number of years. And uh, we use a, a delayed and late apex. So we stay out wider, stay out longer. And when we exit a corner, it's on the inside one third of the lane, not the outside of the lane. When you're talking about people running wide on a corner, I think everyone's probably had that feeling at one point in their motorcycle riding career. Are there some common mistakes that you find that people do before we get into the actual teaching of a, of a proper corner? But are there some common mistakes, the ones that you always see? I mean, you did accident reconstruction. You must have come across some things where you go, you know, this is really common. Uh, yes, there, there, are, there are a number of them, actually. Um, one of the things that, uh, that I've noticed is that riders tend to um, want uh, the, the old adage, bigger is better, uh, more horsepower is, is, is better than less, and so on and so forth. Um, you put, put the words together however you want, but they end up, uh, as a new rider, he wants the fastest, baddest thing that you can throw a leg over. And uh, uh, unfortunately, they're not ready for that. So I, what I see is people buying things that, uh, they aren't capable of handling. That's number one. Uh, number two, uh, poor visual control. And I, I frankly, I see a lot of that. That's uh, that's very common. And uh, number three is, you know, the, instead of ride your own ride, uh, they try to keep up with people that are faster than they are. And they don't want to be embarrassed. So they, uh, they find themselves getting in over their head and crashing, which really embarrasses them more. And not to mention hurts them and costs a lot of money. So those are the main things that I see. Well, we're, we're going to get into cornering. We're not going to talk about counter-steering. And, and obviously counter-steering is huge for, well, I was going to say cornering, but just for riding a motorcycle. Do we want to touch on that at all? Do we want to sort of just briefly talk about it? Well, we, we could because uh, if someone, um, a rider, isn't comfortable or um, understanding exactly what that is and practicing it all the time. Um, and, and I, and I point that out because counter steering is so subtle in most conditions, most situations, just a little press on the bar, one side or the other will turn the motorcycle significantly. But what happens is when a, an emergency jumps up in front of you, what happens is that people tend to revert back to the things that they're most comfortable with. Now, uh, with me, it's counter-steering because that's what I do, <laughs> I do every day, uh, uh, several times a day, anytime I get on a motorcycle. So, you know, and, 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 and let me point out that I probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of, well, I quit counting at a million miles. So I got a million and a half to two million miles on two wheels. So I'm very familiar with counter-steering. But what happens to a lot of people is that they revert back to the old steering wheel process of if I turn the wheel to the right, I'm going to go to the right. Well, if you turn the steering assembly, the fork, to the right, you're going to go left. And uh, unfortunately, 
uh, I have worked a couple of accidents where that's been the cause uh, of them of the, of the accident. So, you know, it, it becomes such a subtle thing, and, and little inputs make big differences at the wheel. That that if you don't understand what you're doing all the time and realize that that's how you the only way you're going to get a motorcycle to go the direction you want it to go is counter steering and and when i say that i'm talking about any time you want to lean the motorcycle i'm not talking about parking lot speeds um, but i'm talking about road speeds the only way you're going to get it to turn is to lean it and the only way you're going to lean it the right direction is use counter steering uh, we did an episode on counter steering, so I don't want to get too deep into this right now, but it is so important, isn't it? Because um, I think unless you really understand uh, what counter steering is, and like you said, make it your go-to, make it the thing that you are used to the most, that is your your go-to in a panic, um, then you could find yourself in real trouble. And I can remember back when I started to ride, not fully understanding what, uh, what the dynamics were with the motorcycle. Why was it that some corners felt so good and some corners didn't feel so good? And of course, it was counter steering. And I often see it now when uh, I'll watch a, a rider on the road and I'll see them sort of do this, this upper body jerk to get the bike to lean over. And I can tell by seeing them do that, that, or at least I, I think that they don't understand what counter steering is. So when they get into a situation, they're going to find that upper body jerk to try and get your bike to lean over is not going to work. Some of it comes automatically. I know a lot of people say that, yo, counter steering is automatic. You do it when you ride a bicycle. So it's, it's very simple. That is true. But I agree with exactly what you said. When you get into a situation where you start to panic, you go to what you know, and that is steering like a car. So it's really important to know counter steering. And I guess without getting us into, into too much detail with it, I would recommend that the listener go back, go to our website and, and go to the search um, field there and just search for counter steering. You'll find an episode that we did on it. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it again. But okay, so before we get into the actual mechanics of making that corner, are there things that we need to know? ahead of time? Should we talk about the general idea of a curve and making a curve? Well, sure. Um, one of the things I am doing now is writing again for Motorcycle Consumer News. Great magazine. Yes, thank you. And I do street strategies in that. And uh, thank you, uh, Dave Huff, for turning that over to me. I, I appreciate it and, and uh, in the faith that he has in me. And I hope that I live up to, uh, to the expectations. But what I was going to say is that um, a little preview here for you. I'm going to do a piece on uh, visual control because visual control is so important to each and every aspect of motorcycling that without it, you're going to be lost. And um, like if you want to talk about cornering, where do you start talking about cornering? It's certainly not when you lean into the corner, but you've got to understand at least have some kind of an idea uh, where the corner goes to or, or what the geometry of the corner is before you even get there. And a lot of people are probably scratching their head right now and thinking, well, how on earth yeah. could you estimate what a corner is doing before you get there? There are, are actually a lot of ways. I mean, you've got a, got a lot of clues out there, and some of them are the advisory speed limits. Uh, some of them, uh, Some of the clues might be, I think the point is some of the clues that you need to look for uh, as you're approaching a corner is that will give you a clue to where the corner goes is fence line, topography, the lane lines, um, the tree lines, the where the power poles are uh, and things like that that 
give you some kind of an idea before you even get there. Uh, the other thing is that as you are approaching the corner and getting up to where you can actually see the corner, uh, if you keep an eye on the outside and inside uh, edges of the roadway, if you see them staying equal distance apart, you can count on a constant radius turn. If you see them getting further and further apart or diverging, it's an increasing radius turn. On the other hand, if you see them getting closer and closer together, then it's a decreasing radius turn. It's going to tighten up, and those are the ones that tend to get people in trouble a lot. Okay, so and that's what you're talking about, visual control. Yes. Visual and control entails a lot of aspects of motorcycling. As an example, um, you're coming into a corner. You have no clue of, of how tight it is, but without visual control, how do you know where to downshift or where to brake? Uh, see, so that it comes into play before you even get to the corner. If you're approaching a corner and you're not sure about it, the best policy is slow down a little bit because the worst that can happen is you get to accelerate harder out of it. Which is fun. Yeah, absolutely fun. <laughs> That's all part of the corner. You mentioned that the, the, you said topography, you mentioned trees, you mentioned fence lines. What sort of things should we watch for with that? Well, what you're looking for is the, the arc of things uh, to give you some kind of an idea where the roadway goes to. Now, fence lines are one thing. Power poles are quite another because you may find that they cross the road at an angle and give you a, an odd reference to where the turn may actually go to. So you need to be careful of that. But fence lines certainly don't cross the, uh, the roadway and tree lines won't cross the roadway. Actually, I think what it, what it really boils down to, Jim, is that you need to, as a writer, start putting together a library uh, in your brain and keep track of every corner you go through and try to catalog it. Uh, I see this here, and yet partway through the corner it does this. So, okay, I'm going to put that in, in my file cabinet. Uh, and next time I see something like that, I may come to the prediction that it may do this uh, or that, whatever the case may be. It may tighten up or it may, may open up. Um, so it's just a, it's a matter of, of you as a motorcyclist diligently paying attention to what the roadway does at any particular moment and, and putting this library together so you can refer back to it, call on it, and help you determine where that roadway is going to. Okay, so let's get into the the mechanics of the turn. I guess probably we should start with uh, our body position on the motorcycle to begin with. Well, sure. Um, it's quite simple for me. Um, on the roadway, I sit really neutral on the motorcycle. I, I see no reason whatsoever to lean off, to put a, a knee out, to get down close to the center line, to even put a knee on the ground, um, that's definitely a bad thing in my mind. Let me see if I can give you an example. So you're approaching a corner. So you're going to crouch down a little bit and you're going to lean off to one side. But first, to get leaned over, you've got to lift yourself up, move yourself over, then set yourself back down on the seat. And then you'll go through the corner and now, coming out of the corner, as you accelerate, what you're going to do is 
pick the bike up. And as you do that, you're going to pick yourself up, move back over on the seat, put yourself down and down the straightaway you go. You know, that's a lot of, a lot of work. And there's a lot more things involved than that, but that's just it in a, in a real brief description. Um, here's the problem with that. Number one, for most road users, it doesn't look cool. We're looking like hooligans, like we're racing. And that's the last thing we want to do. We want to be good citizens on the road. We want to be responsible. Don't make it look like we're racing and going fast and getting crazy because, we're frankly, you know, we're so few in number that we don't have any clout in Washington or with any government, state government at all. I, I can ride uh, 60 miles round trip to and from work and sometimes never see another motorcycle on the roadway. But I see hundreds, if not thousands of cars. Um, so that's just, a, you know, a, a personal thing I'm real sensitive to, and that is um, the fact that we, we really don't have uh, a good reputation with the with the masses, with the public and and the masses of road road users, so I say, you know, don't don't do that. That's that's racetrack technique. Uh, it's not necessary to get your motorcycle turned. Uh, it's not necessary to get through the corner. If it is, then my my take on it is your motorcycle is defectively designed. <laughs> And so, and I don't think any of them are. That, that sort of runs with everything. It doesn't matter what you get into. Everyone, when, when you start to get into something, you want to look at the performance aspect of it. And when it comes to motorcycling or any sort of vehicle thing, you're operating on public roads. So that's yeah. got to be a huge concern for us. I mean, there's so many things there for your own safety, for other people's safety. And like you said, just for the um, image of motorcyclists in general. So, I mean, yeah. you know, that, and I think that goes with all of our riding styles, no matter where we're riding on road or off road. Yeah. Well, we talked about visual control, about estimating or trying to estimate what you're going to come into as far as the corner goes. And as you said, I mean, if you can't estimate it, then you're, you, it's time to slow down. That's the first thing you want to do is yeah. scrub off speed because that's our, our real nemesis, I think, in the corner, other than maybe a deer or a moose standing in the middle of the road as we've come around the corner. And what we should talk about with this, too, is overdriving your vision, much like it is when you're driving at night with your headlight. Well, yes, and that's that's very easy to do. I mean... Here's the reality of that. If you were concerned about overdriving your vision, you would slow down on every single corner you, you came to. And you would become probably a hazard to yourself because you'd have even automobiles catching up behind you and wanting to move you on. And you have to look at a corner and say, okay, I can take this corner at 60 miles an hour. Or that's, that's about um, – uh, almost eight, it's 88 feet a second. So you got somebody else that's coming 60 miles an hour around the corner, 88 feet a second, which means in one second, both of you guys are going to go 88 feet. So if you're, if you can't see further than 88 feet around a corner, uh, I actually, that's not true. Bill, let me back up and say, or suggest that to be able to safely react to something you need to be able to see it about two to two and a half seconds out. Um, so now we're looking at two and a half times 88. Uh, and then, then you got to add uh, uh, stopping time. 
at versus distance. And so, you know, when you start putting all of these numbers together, we're looking at, um, you know, hundreds of feet. You've got to be able to see through a corner hundreds of feet. And sometimes that's not possible uh, because of obstructions, embankments, and so on and so forth. Um, so in reality, there's seldom a corner that any of us ride through that we could get stopped if we had to. So, you know, just keep that in mind when you're out tooling around on strange roads and, and uh, roads you're not familiar with. Um, and the last thing you want to do, by the way, the last thing you want to do is have a surprise because by, uh, by definition, that's, that's a bad thing for a motorcyclist. When you're in a corner in particular. Oh, of course. We're going to take just a short break and thank one of the sponsors that helped bring this episode to you, and that is IMS Products. Now, um, I think it was uh, two weeks ago we were we did an episode with Jim Hyde from Rawhide Adventures, and um, we talked about in part of that was about using your knee against the tank for stability on your motorcycle. And part of that thing with using your knee against the tank is having the purchase or the traction on your foot with your foot peg. And that comes down to quality foot pegs. You probably know where I'm going with this. So quality foot pegs is what IMS makes. They got a full line of pegs for us adventure bikes. But look, at, let me run through the, the details here with it just very quickly. These pegs are all cast certified 17-4 stainless steel, certified heat treating. That's a homogenizing and annealing process. They're built in the USA. They have a lifetime warranty. Uh, I'm running with the pegs now and they're fantastic. They make a huge difference. The ADV pegs that they have there are designed with a, a watershed design, which I've told you about before. It stops all the junk from sticking in the pegs, which means they're, they're meant for adventure stuff. They know what you're going to get into and they improve your comfort and handling. And being that they're a little bit wider and longer, the benefits for that are the handling of the bike, right? It increases your leverage on it. There is so many benefits to a quality set of pegs. I encourage you to drop by, see what they've got, www.imsproducts.com. And of course, anytime you're dealing with them, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. That goes a long way for us. Okay, so when we approach the corner then, well, what should we be doing? All right. Well, visually, it's up to you as an operator to determine, one, where that corner goes before you get to the corner. Two, determine what speed you're going to enter the corner at and then uh, adjust your approach speed down to the cornering speed by either uh, just rolling off the throttle or rolling off the throttle braking, rolling off the throttle braking and downshifting, uh, whatever it takes to uh, get yourself down to the appropriate speed, then um, I'm going to change things up a little bit. I think everybody is familiar with the slow look, lean and roll mantra that goes with cornering. So I, I've changed that up a little bit. It's slow look, roll back on the throttle just a little bit, and then lean the motorcycle into the corner. And the reason for that is, uh, I find it much more beneficial for making it easier for the rider to corner if you get on the power just gently in a straight line before you lean the motorcycle. It just makes things a whole lot simpler and smoother for you as an operator. 
Okay. So before we get actually get into the corner, I just wanted to ask two questions here or, or one question about both things, brakes and gear. Now you already said scrub off your speed and then slightly get on the throttle as you're going to enter the corner. What about gears? Should we be picking our gear ahead of time? Uh, my my policy is to, to uh, select the, the gear you want to be in as you enter the corner before you actually get leaned over. Because it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if, if you ride a lot, you can change your gears and be very smooth at it. But if you're not that smooth, then that can create a problem right there. Either clunking, well, of course into, it can. Yeah, clunking into gear, dropping the clutch, whatever. Right, right. Absolutely. No, I, I highly recommend taking care of the slowing, which includes the downshifting prior to corner entry. Okay. So where are we on the road at this point? Well, it depends on um, whether we're going left or right, but... In either case, you're going to stay out as wide as you can, as long as you can, which means for a left-hand turn, you're going to be out toward the right-hand roadway edge, and for a right turn, you'll be over near the center line. Okay, now we're talking for all of us who are riding in North America on the right side of the roads. This is what we're referring to, obviously. Of course. Yeah, I think the point is that uh, wherever you're at, you want to be on the outside of the corner, entering the corner. Okay. Now, is there any special consideration for when the outside of the corner is the center lane, you're making your right turn for us, for oncoming traffic? Well, of course there is. Again, that's our friend visual control. It comes in handy here. You again have to make the decision, can I see far enough ahead on a right-hand turn, which we're going to start that turn out by the center line. So the question becomes, can I see far enough ahead to move inside if I have to, if there's a car coming here? Or if you can't see far enough ahead, then you modify the far outside on that right-hand turn, bring it inside just a little bit. So you give yourself a cushion between yourself and the center line. Okay. Now, some people may be saying, well, why the outside of the turn? Because if you go on the outside of a turn, you theoretically have to go faster or you will be traveling faster than the person on the inside of the turn. And all race riders go on the inside of the corner. So why are we on the outside? Well, sure. Well, you you don't have to go faster. Um, You could be, but you don't have to. And, And here's why. You hit on it that being on the inside of a corner is racer line and that's one of the problems it is the racer line it is the fastest way through the corner it is the least lean angle for any given speed through that corner but there's also some negatives to it and uh they are this which first let me define apex apex is the closest point that you'll come to toward the or at the inside of that corner any corner And typically speaking, the apex would be, in the classic sense, the middle of the corner. If you apex too early, you exit wide. So we we could do the eraser line. But one of the problems I see with that is that let's say that you are uh, going at a really good clip. Maybe not as fast as you could go, but but as fast as you feel comfortable going through a corner. What I find is that when you go from the outside to the inside, once you reach the apex on the inside of that corner, your exit path of travel is already set. Now, 
if something changes in the corner, as an example, the corner does tighten up. You've misread the corner. It tightens up. You're going to go out wide. It only based upon the fact that your exit path is already set when you get to the apex and the corner tightens up, you're going to go out wide, possibly at or across the center line. And that's the last thing you want to do. That's a big mistake. And uh, novice riders make it all the time. And uh, people that think they're better than they really are make that mistake all the time. And, and, I, and I see that a lot. Now, I want you to talk about delayed apex. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about head position. Okay, um, head position. As you enter the corner, you should have your head turned to where you either can see the exit of the corner or where you think it might be based upon the clues you've gotten before you get there. When I talk about a head turn, I mean you've got to turn your head and aggressively look through the corner as far as you can and, uh, and try to locate and identify where the exit of the turn is. So head turn is essential for visual control. Head and eyes up, head turned, and looking through the corner as far as you can. And this is also, you know, that thing of where you look where you want to go, right? We've all went down the road and saw the the hole or the pebble or the rock or something and looked right at and thought, oh, I don't want to hit that and find ourselves riding right over top of it. Yeah. And the other part is the, just the visual cues are, are that much quicker. Even a fraction of a second can make a difference at speed on a corner. Well, yes, that's, that's correct. And that's one of the other reasons for staying out wider and staying out longer because it does open up the corner for you and allows you to see further through the corner than if you were on the inside. Okay, now delayed and late apex. Delayed and late apex. Okay, so as it turns out, for the most part, in, in almost any and every corner that you get to, uh, with the exception of an increasing radius turn, it's hard to find an apex in that. But in every other corner, whether it's constant radius or uh, decreasing radius turn, the apex is going to be at the end of the corner where the corner quits turning and the straightaway starts. That's it in a nutshell. So, you know, with that description, you can see in your mind the fact that I, I'm asking you, suggesting that you should move the apex way forward, way beyond the classic apex, way beyond the middle of the corner, but over toward the end of the corner. And when you head out of that corner, are you cutting the corner tight at that point? Are you in toward the inside of the corner? Well, it, it, I believe that uh, the exit position for someone that uses this type of technique is the inside one-third of the lane. At the end of the corner, on your, on your exit. On the exit of the corner, you're at the inside one-third. And that would be your apex, as close as you ever come to the inside of the corner. And by doing this style of corner, as we said, we've got the, the visual cues, you've got your oncoming traffic able to spot you easier, and you've also got a, a little bit of um, room for, like, as you said, if you find it's a decreasing radius turn and you have to come in a little tighter. Yes, you do. And, and I think the other thing to, to consider here is that it does give you options. As an example, let's take a left-hand turn. So we're starting out wide, we're staying out wide, we're leaning through the corner, we're looking aggressively for the uh, uh, 
for the exit point, our, our apex. And we finally decide, here it is. I make a turn in toward that point. And from that point on, once I've made that turn, I can start coming on with the throttle and I'm rolling back under the largest contact patch of the tire. So that's another benefit there. Uh, we're, we're at a little steeper lean angle than the outside, inside, outside path of travel. But the amount of time that we're leaned over is actually less than outside, inside, outside path of travel. So, so here you are, you've determined you're going to go to the apex on a left-hand turn, which is down near the center line. So we're on the power, we're starting to roll the bike up under the largest section of, of contact patch, and we have cars coming. Well, the only thing you have to do is you're still straightening up. You just move over to the right just a little bit, no harm, no foul, and you're out of everybody's way and out of harm. Um, so that's how that works. And so there, there is one of the benefits that you have as well. You've got options. So I guess if we do a bit of a recap here, then what we're going to look at is the setup for the corner is we're going to be coming in wide, which means we're going to be on the outside of the corner, regardless of the direction. And then as we're, we're coming up to the corner, we're going to scrub off some speed, whatever we feel using our visual cues that we're going to need to make the corner. We're going to come into the corner and be just slightly on the throttle as we're entering the corner because we've scrubbed off enough speed for that. We're turning right. our head at a very good angle so that we're looking in and through the corner, as far through the corner as we possibly can. Right. We do a delayed and late apex, which means that we are not in tight. We are still on the outside of the corner until we can see the exit point, at which point then we cut in a little tighter and, and get yes. on the throttle some more and pull out of the corner. Have I done exactly. It right? Yeah, you've done very well at it. The one thing that I'll I'll add to that is that uh, as you're aggressively looking for the corner, this is one of the times you need to work at training your peripheral vision for your lane guidance. I like this. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. Now we've talked about that before about using peripheral vision. It is very important. But but talk a little bit about that. Well, it, you have uh, enough peripheral vision whatever motorcycle you ride uh, to see the inside and the outside of your lane. And uh, one is defined by a center line. The other is defined by a roadway edge, maybe, maybe also a fog line or just the edge of the roadway. Um, and those are the, the things that you're looking at with your peripheral to tell you where you are in the roadway. So that becomes essential actually in any, um, uh, any cornering sequence, but particularly this one, because it helps tell you where you are with respect to one side or the other of your lane. And um, it doesn't require you to look back or turn your head back. In fact, uh, my instructions are to my students you don't look back. Once you've turned your head, you keep your head turned and you keep looking through the corner. If you think you have to look back, you don't turn your head back. You use your eyes and let them roam back to the left or to the right, depending on what corner you're taking. But uh, always keep your nose pointed toward the exit or what you think is the exit of that corner, like a gun sight. So when you bring your eyes back 
to your nose, you're still focused on that direction. You said train yourself to, to use your peripheral vision. How do you do that? Well, you know what? People don't use their peripheral vision enough. And consequently, you have to train yourself to do that. And you do that by practicing. See, we do several different types of training with street masters. Uh, one is completely removed from the street. We do a, something called Dirty Street Masters, which I work with adventure touring riders off-road. Um, the other would be on-the-road training, which is a great experience, but um, probably best suited for doing that after our training class on a closed course. The closed course, uh, I find, offers the biggest advantages to riders because we're rather insulated. We don't have anybody coming the other way. We don't have any debris in the roadway. Um, we don't have any large animals other than maybe a snake slithering across the track every now and then. Uh, I think I've seen one or two out there since 2004 uh, and maybe a rabbit or two. But um, but this is a the ideal environment to train your peripheral vision. In other words, turn your head, look through the corner and work on focusing on your peripheral vision so you can – you, so you learn to see uh, the lane delineators, either the roadway edge and the center line. It takes practice. It takes a lot of practice to get comfortable with doing it. But uh, once you master that, man, you're on the right track there for sure. Now, have we left anything out talking about making the corner? Well, uh, I think not. I, I think to uh, recap, Visual control is everything. Uh, it helps you know where the corner goes to before you get to it. It identifies your, your path of travel through the corner. It'll allow you to find the uh, apex or the exit point of the corner sooner once you uh, get comfortable with it. And uh, above all, everything has to be done smooth, which means braking, downshifting, rolling off the throttle, rolling on the throttle, accelerating out of the corner and upshifting. It all needs to be done smoothly and seamlessly. Walt, I always enjoy these discussions. Thank you very much. You, Jim, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure talking with you again, too. I've been speaking with Walt Fulton from Streetmasters Motorcycle Workshops. Uh, and of course, he works at Kawasaki as well. You can find out more about Streetmasters by dropping by their website, www.streetmasters.info. And of course, that link will be in our show notes. I just want to remind you this episode was made possible for you today in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com, Green Chili Adventure Gear at www.greenchiliadv.com, and Moto Breeze Chain Oilers, www.motobreeze.com. Well, 
Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and of course, to you, the listener. Thank you very much for listening. Well, it's uh, about that time, I guess, to get out there and ride your bike. Before you do, I'm going to remind you about our other show. We've got another show called ARR Raw, which is a a -a once-a-month show, roundtable discussions about travel and motorcycles and and a bunch of other things. There's five other people other than me on the show, and uh, it's a good load of fun. we got another one coming up in uh, days, I think, actually. So if you want to drop by the website, you can check out the show notes for this episode. You can download all of our podcasts, including Raw. You can look at the show notes there. And, of course, nowadays our shows have transcripts so if you're wondering what was said at a certain point you're looking for some information that was in the show drop by the website go to the show notes and you'll find the transcript in there thanks for listening my name is jim martin see you next week hi this is lois price of lois on the loose and you're listening to adventure rider radio (laughs) 